Hello and welcome. You're listening to Patient Talk Podcast by Omni Health Insights. In this episode, we'll be talking about men's health, sponsored by Skin. As you may or may not know, this week is International Men's Health Week, an international week preceding and including Father's Day to focus on issues facing men's health. Physicians and men's health activists mark Men's Health Week with awareness campaigns to highlight concerns such as prostate cancer, diabetes, suicide, and more. In this episode, I'll be chatting with Dr. Anis Haddad, who is an expert urologist at Dubai London Clinic. I wanted to know more about why men wobble about visiting the doctor and indeed male concerns regarding their wobbly bits. I also wanted to find out about prostate cancer and testosterone. In the past, men, they speak less and less about their health issue. Now, actually, with the like recent multimedia opening to the internet, reading about these subjects, knowing that there is a cure for this issue, they start to be a little bit more open. So if we compare, let us say, our practice now if to our practice in like 10 years ago, we can see that men, they are more open to speak about this issue more than they used to do in the past. So first, why they don't speak about it? Actually, there was a lot of studies, a lot of like discussion about these things. First, maybe because they consider it's like related to their potency. That's why actually they used to call in the past when someone has a problem, they call it impotent. So we changed completely this. We said, no, he's not impotent. He's still potent, but he has a dysfunction somewhere. Second issue about that is that there was some taboos that we are now more open to speak about them. For sure, there is like a cultural reason, like it's it's different from a region to another. But now with the access to the internet or access to multimedia in general, the people or the men in, in particular, they have more access. They know that this is not like something to be ashamed of. This is something that is common. Like you mentioned the premature ejaculation. Is touching like one man over three. So it is the first complaint in men's health clinic. So in the past, maybe they used to think that we cannot speak about it. We feel ashamed to speak about it. There is no treatment for that. But as we discuss now with the presence of multimedia, with the access to the information, easy access to the information comparing to before, they start to consult us more and more. That's great to hear. So what advice would you give to someone who might be listening, a guy out there who might have certain health concerns, but who also might be reluctant to go and see a specialist about it? I always tell my patient, very simple, you know, maybe for them, they feel like they have some discomfort, they are worried, anxiety, whatever, actually, or they have some concern before speaking about that. But the first thing they need to understand for us in this field, it's like when you go to your general doctor, tell him, I have a cough, I have a flu. It's the same thing for us. If they tell us like, okay, I have an erection problem, I have a premature ejaculation or a fertility issue or this, for us as a practitioner, okay, we see it like as a common daily practice. You go to your doctor easily, you will tell him, okay, I'm sneezing, I have cough, I have fever. So why you don't go to your urologist or sexologist and tell him, yes, I have this issue and this issue. I understand it's maybe different as a, as a consider as a old taboo things, but now more and more as we are open to these things, knowing that they should, as soon as they have some symptoms, they should consult. One, second thing that we need to take in consideration that we have treatment. If you compare the treatment available now to 10 years ago only, 
things in science and in medicine, they develop very fast. So we compare what we are having now to 10 years ago, we see that they have more therapeutic options for any of the mention of the three mentioned things that you say, you spoke about, like the erectile dysfunction, premature ejaculation, and infertility. That's a very interesting point that you just mentioned. So um, there are advances in uh, technology. What are the latest developments, for instance, in regards to erectile dysfunction? That is actually one of the most commonly asked questions on Google, namely, what is erectile dysfunction? Okay, so first, actually, the erectile dysfunction is a difficulty to get or to maintain a satisfactory erection. An erectile dysfunction, you know, it's never like there is one cause behind it. It's a complicated issue, as you can imagine. It's a multifactorial. So let us say, like, there could be psychological factor, hormonal factor, blood flow issues. So all this, when you discuss it with your doctor, he can consider one of these or all these elements to test to verify, and if there is any abnormality, we can treat it. So here the issue is we will not treat the erectile dysfunction. We will try to treat the reason behind it if we can identify it. And as you said, like, it's a major complaint in our clinic or like in sexual health clinics in, in general or men's, men's healthy clinic. The issue about the erectile dysfunction, usually it's not an isolated sign or symptom. They may come, you know, like people, they will come and tell you, okay, we have a fatigue, foggy mind, decreased concentration, less motivation, I'm not in the mood, I don't have morning erection or sexual desire like before. So here, first thing we'll pull our attention is the maybe hormone level, testosterone. People now actually with the help of Google or the social media in general or multimedia, they read, you know, some people, they tell me, okay, doctor, I know you don't like Googles and these things like in medicine that to use it as a doctor Google, as they said, but still like, when we Google our symptoms, we find that it corresponds to a testosterone deficiency or other hormonal imbalance. And when they read about it, they start to know, yes, there is a treatment for that that can improve our sexual life as well as it can improve our well-being, energy, many things. Again, that's another interesting thing that you brought up, which is uh, testosterone. In fact, one of the most commonly asked questions, again, on Google, according to my research at least, is how to increase testosterone. And when I say a popular query, it is massively popular, which uh, took me by surprise. I didn't think I was so many, uh, well, people out there looking for research or information on how to increase testosterone levels. So what would you say around that? Actually, it's a major component of our daily consultation. They come for testosterone checkup because, as you said, like they will look into the Google. Some of them, it's not like mainly only the sexual issue. Some of them, as we said, like his well-being. He told me, doctor, I'm not motivated like before. I don't feel that I want to go to work. I don't feel that I want to go to the gym. Or some of them, they will come to me, okay, I'm exercising. I'm not getting muscle. I'm exercising. I'm not losing fat. Or they tell like, I need to focus more in my work. I like few years ago, I used to focus easily. Now I need to focus more. I need to concentrate more to achieve what I used to achieve easier a few years ago. So we test actually the testosterone. I can tell you like now we can see more and more that like this testosterone deficiency or consulting for to boost their testosterone. It's a huge increase like in multiple folds if we compare it to a few years ago. Maybe it's the help of the Google or the multimedia. Maybe the people they know you know from their friends or colleagues that there is a treatment for that. But there is another issue that most of these low testosterone where we don't know where it's coming from. It's a multifactorial issue. So let us say, you know, like we live in a world where there is 
pollution, radiation, we consume th uh, things with, in touch with plastic, we take like food which is rich in hormones. So now we start to see it more and more actually these complaints. And who does it mostly affect, that is, uh, low or, or dipping testosterone levels? Is it mostly uh, middle-aged men? So I, you know, I guess after the age of 40 or what, what's the general kind okay. of, um, yeah. Okay. Actually, patients, they come from a teenage, like from 17, 18 years old, till even the age of 60 or 70. So any man will come and consult us for us. And we see all ages. But... Most of the people who come to consult me in my clinic, I can tell they are in the late 30s, early 40s. Why? Because when you are like a teenage or in the early 20s, even if you have a low testosterone or on the lower normal testosterone, because in the testosterone, we don't look for normal. We look for optimal, even better than normal. So even if they have a low normal testosterone, the, the teenage or the early 20s uh, guy, they can overcome it. You know, they're still young. They have energy. They have muscle, motivation, a lot of things that they can overcome it. So this is one category. The second category, the elderly people. You know, most of them, they said, oh, come on, it's age. It's not a problem. I can live with it. I get adapted to that. So these two extremities, they consult us less. While those in the middle, you know, in the late 30s or early 40s, he's still young. So when he feels that there's something wrong, okay, he consults more than the others. So I can say in my practice, late 30s, early 40s, consult more. But it doesn't mean that the other way they will not consult. But if I take it as a statistic or a percentage, it's a big percentage of, uh, of our daily uh, consultation. Can we simply not go to the gym to improve our testosterone levels? Do we have to see a consultant? You know, actually, when you take testosterone, we shouldn't take it before testing our own testosterone because we may think that, okay, after that, I googled my symptoms, I have a low testosterone. Well, no. Maybe we do the blood test and your testosterone is normal while your estrogen, the female hormone, is high. Because, you know, we men, we have a female uh, uh, hormone, while actually ladies, they have also a male hormone. So it can be that our testosterone is normal, but our estrogen for a reason or another is high. So I shouldn't boost the testosterone, really. I may need to reduce my estrogen, one. Or on the other hand, there is like something called testosterone and free testosterone, SHBG, the carrier of the testosterone. So sometimes we are producing enough testosterone, but it's not reaching our cells. So why we take a hormonal therapy if we don't really need it? Like three more things. One, the prostate. You shouldn't, especially if you are like from the 30s and above, you shouldn't take testosterone before checking your prostate. The testosterone will not cause you a prostate problem. But if there is a hidden prostate flare issue, it may flare up when we take testosterone. Second thing, we have to consider the fertility. Some people, they take the testosterone and they don't know that it may cause temporary infertility. So a problem of conceiving for a while. So this is what we need to take in consideration. And the third thing, they need to check actually their, their hemoglobin, the blood count, because it has an impact. You know, we call this anabolic. It means it builds so it will build cells, but it will build also blood cells. So I wouldn't recommend that we start testosterone like this for medical reason. The other thing, actually, for you know ethical reason, we should not get it from outside the pharmacies because also we don't know about the transportation, how they were like conserved, you know, the origin of these products. So no, always pass by your doctor, do some tests. Many of the doctors now are more open to the testosterone replacement therapy, especially when there is a need for it. 
We're just going to take a short break now so I can play you with details of our upcoming Omnia Health Live event. Times are changing. 2020 has propelled us into a new normal where our everyday interactions are made possible through technology. Zoom, WhatsApp, Skype, Microsoft Teams, these are the pillars of our today. Healthcare worldwide has found itself tested by the pandemic and has taken center stage with organizations working round the clock to accelerate innovation. This multifaceted challenge has called for a new mechanism to support the global healthcare system to collaborate, now more than ever, using tech to make it all possible. We've shown we can collaborate from anywhere, and we will. Let's reshape the healthcare economy. Omnia Health Live is the solution to our new normal. An online expo from the 22nd to the 26th of June 2020, forging virtual connections across the global healthcare industry. Join the experience. Let's uh, talk about another major health concern among men, which is uh, prostate cancer. So again, that's another commonly queried term on Google. People are curious about what uh, prostate cancer is. Maybe they've heard about it. Would you be able to elaborate more on the nature of prostate cancer, how to get checked for it? And, um, and I guess, you know, the latest developments in technology. So, you know, are there any advances that we should know about? So for the prostate cancer, it's very important for men because it's one of the commonest men's cancer. And it may touch one man over seven. It's a huge number, one man over seven. But there is actually an early detection tool. Let us say the good thing about it, that it's a slowly or very slowly progressing cancer. It means if we discover it in the first few years, we can cure it. We will not just like, okay, control it. No, we can cure it. So mostly like our recommendation, there is no international or like a North American European guidelines on that. We should do these tests or that, but it's like what we call it like an individual recommendation. So usually we recommend people from the age of 50 to get tested for the prostate cancer. Mainly the test will be like blood test for uh, something called PSA. And there is also sometimes the rectal exam for the prostate. This is from the age of 50. While there is two risk groups, they should consider testing from the age of 40. They are actually the black people and people with, with history of uh, prostate cancer for their like male parents, grandfather, okay, or breast cancer and the ladies of the family. So to think ethnic group and family history of prostate or breast cancer, this will put us in a risk group that we need to consider screening from the age of 40. Some people also, they tell me, okay, doctor, I don't want to do test for the prostate. Some people, they have a concern for the rectal exam. We can avoid it. Yes, sometimes, you know, and if we are doing only a screening, we don't have a symptom, we can stick to the blood test. And if there is any element that pulling our attention, we can go for further tests. So yes, I highly recommend any man from the age of 50 to do it on a yearly basis. While from the age of 40, if you are in a risk group, do it on a yearly basis. If you are not, do it like one every two to three years, just for a peace of mind to be sure, knowing that, as we said in the beginning, it is a cancer that we can cure if we treat it or we discover it early. It needs, in some cases, 10 to 15 years to develop. If we discover it like a first or the second year, we can 
cure it. And as you said, with the developed technology now, we know how to cure, we know how to reduce the chances of recurrency and control this issue. What kind of um, education needs to be further developed around men's health issues? You mentioned earlier that uh, there's a lot more awareness out there, which is fantastic. People are going to um, search engines like Google with their health concerns, which can be helpful. What else needs to be done in order to uh, break down barriers, taboos, and to generate or cultivate a greater understanding and interest in, in their own you know, physical well-being? I think in general, we need some national campaigns about that. Because as you mentioned like in the, in the beginning that you know, we have more like campaigns about women's health. Like ladies, they know that they need to consider like a, a screening for breast cancer, for the cervical cancer, while men in general, maybe they don't have this knowledge, maybe they don't have this concept, maybe there is no enough campaign to tell them like, okay, we, there is this, there is this, there is a prostate cancer, there is the testicular cancer, there is the testosterone, there is a treatment for each of these that we are speaking about. So I think like, we need more campaigns and awareness about it. And how do we get men to talk to other men about their health issues? It's not something that really happens very often. Certainly in my experience, if you uh, talk to your mates uh, while you're watching a football or you, maybe you're, you're enjoying a drink or a coffee with your friends, it's not something that you really talk about. You mostly focus on things like work, relationships maybe, politics, but you don't really talk about the things that really affect your health. How can we change that in particular? Actually, this things needs time. So in general, let us say now, people talk more than before. I mean, like, let us say, as I told you, if I compare my practice now to 10, 15 years ago, okay, people will come because of, you know, as a checkup or they heard about the treatment or like heard about like a, a medical issue. But now it's more that, they discussed it. They told me, okay, my friend did that. My friend consulted you and he told me this. Or my friend had the same issue. We were speaking at work. Even my colleagues, they did the same thing and they found a solution. So for sure, these things, they cannot like change in a day or another, like in a day or month. No, it needs years to develop like this, uh, what we can call it, like, like this awareness or like this culture. Okay. But still, if we compare now to a few years ago, it's much better. That's really uh, great to hear. Another interesting statistic that I've come across is the high suicide rate among men in their 40s. So it seems to be a very problematic uh, demographic or a you know, challenging period of your life. Is this related at all to physical health? Is there any connection between men's physical health and our mental health once we enter our 40s? First, I don't have a lot of information about that because, you know, maybe we can find information more with the psychologist, psychiatrist, or sociologist in general. They know better, as, as you said, it's related to some societies more than others, related to cultural issues, sometimes even religious issues, okay? But let us say I cannot, like, precise about this suicide issue, but I can, like, tell about the mental health issue. Yes, actually, as we discussed a while ago regarding the testosterone, Testosterone is an important factor in our well-being. Just to give you an example, few times per year, some of my patients, after improving their testosterone, we stop their antidepressant because testosterone can improve our mood. We are less depressed, 
less irritable, we enjoy life, we have more well-being. So yes, a testosterone, if boosted, can improve our well-being, can improve our mental health. But regarding the statistic and suicide, I don't have enough information about it. Are there any major differences in men's health issues between various countries of a region? So for instance, do you see a higher proportion of a certain concern in the UAE versus Saudi Arabia? Or how does it break down in terms of countries in the region? So I practice in France before and then I'm practicing in UAE. For sure there is a difference for a simple reason. Demographically, here we are in UAE, different from what we are in France. Here we are a young population. Most of the people, they are like young people, young active people. In that case, I see like more testosterone deficiencies than what I used to see like 10 years ago in France. But it doesn't mean that as a percentage it exists more, but also we are younger here. We are a younger population. We are active, knowing that even here in UIE, we are more open to multimedia. We have an access to the internet. We have access, most of the people, if not all, they have actually a social media tool. So they hear about these things. They know about them. They read about these things. So yes, it's different from a country or from a society to another because it depends on their euro and their knowledge and their demographic variation depending on their age. I don't know if we compare it to other GCC country, but I can tell if we compare it to other countries where uh, most of us practice before, we can see it more here because we are a young active population here. What role would you say that social media has to play in influencing people's perceptions of, of men's health. Do you feel that people are increasing under more pressure these days to look good and, and feel good? And that's uh, partly shaped by social media? Exactly. 100% actually. As everything, there's the positive and the negative thing. The positive thing with the social media, we know things that we don't know before. We have access to, to tools that we don't have before. Here you can have an access to or a contact in a clinic in Asia, in North America, in Europe, while you are sitting in front of your computer or in front of your uh, mobile phone. So this is a positive thing. But on the second thing, as you are saying, like everyone wants to be like fit, healthy, beautiful, full of muscle, okay? And that's why that we, what we discussed, that people, they may take a shortcut and go directly to the gym rather than passing by their, by their doctor. So as we mentioned before, awareness, awareness, awareness. We should know that these things just go to a specialist in this issue. Ask advice. It doesn't engage you to do anything. It's, it's a consultation. We call it a consultation. So you consult someone who knows good, who knows like better in this field, and he can advise you. And then you take a decision. If you go to see a doctor for a reason, you know, now we are not obliged to take a treatment or advice that he's telling you. Just listen and read about it. Actually, when you visit your doctor, even he can give you some scientific link because, you know, now actually, unfortunately, we find a lot of blah, blah, you know, like things that they are not really scientific. So my patient, when they come to see me, I tell them, you know, I give them time. Okay, go read about this. But I tell them which website, which medical website they can read about it, which medical forum that they can read about it. We cannot like go, okay, I read this in one person said that on, uh, on Google and I found this. One person said that on a forum and I think it's good. No, 
Actually, we are living in an era of evidence-based medicine. So most of our practice, if not all, should be rely on a evidence-based. And that's why, for me, like awareness is a very important issue. That's a very good point. And actually thinking about it, uh, Google is such a powerful source of information, obviously, in this day and age. There are many misconceptions through not just Google, but social media that sure. are widely shared about health. I mean, certainly in my experience, if I uh, Google something like I have a headache or an ongoing headache, there will be a mention of cancer somewhere, probably in the top three results. And, and, oh, you know, it's, all, and it's almost always cancer, which is terrifying, of course. How do you address that? What would your suggestion be to anyone looking for an ailment on Google? Statistics. As simple as that. Statistics. If you have a blood in urine, mostly it's a urine stone, an infection. Rarely, it's a cancer. So we should count on statistics. If we had a headache, mostly you are stressed or that you need to put glasses or like it's a tension headache, okay? But extremely rare that it's a cancer or a serious issue. So just like we have to think about statistics, but unfortunately... When we look into the internet, the first thing we will find is the most serious one, while they are not the commonest one. So that's why, again, consult a specialist in that field. He has the tools, actually, to diagnose the reason behind what we have in most cases. So to summarize, the message for men is don't be afraid to get tests done. Testosterone is a factor that can improve your well-being and get your prostate and hemoglobin checked. Get advice from a specialist primarily and look up technical information in the right places. You can actually go to a website for this, insights.omnia-health.com, where we have heaps of information on medical issues. Thanks once again to Dr. Anis Haddad, urologist at Dubai London Clinic. I would also like to draw your attention to Omnia Health Live, a virtual healthcare event taking place on the 22nd to the 26th of June. There'll be a session on mental health, which may interest you. And it's for all of us, not only men, on the 22nd of June. Registration is free. And finally, this is a new podcast on healthcare, not just men's health. And I welcome your views on it. If you'd like to take part, please drop me an email at matthew.brady at informer.com. And there are two T's in a Matthew. I hope you enjoy listening. Cheers and goodbye.